Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Hi. Hey. Welcome, everyone. Loyal listener. This is a podcast called Verging on Greatness, where me, Mike, and And me, Craig, talk about... Movies that just don't quite hit the mark. They're pretty good. Uh, they're almost good. there. They're kind of there. there. What's wrong with that movie? Uh, well, maybe they didn't quite hit not, the mark at the time. Why does it not hit the mark quite right? Yeah. What is it getting wrong? What did it get wrong? Or what did it get wrong at the time, as the case may be? Right. Yeah. And today, we're going to talk about Dark Man. Dark Man. Now... <laughs> Not Dak Man. Not Dak Man. 90s, 90s New Zealand weed superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Got some Dak, bro? <laughs> no, I do not have some Dak. Dark Man. Dark so, Man with an R. So, Dark Man. This is from 1990. This is Sam Raimi. Yay. The um, schlock master. Horror film. Yeah, horror film director. Um, yeah. Uh, and this is, um, so this is a com- comic book superhero. Yeah, comic book movie. movie. Yeah. Well, it's, it's original IP though, isn't it? It is original. It's, it's not based on a comic. This heavily is... borrows from yeah. a few, from a few people. Yeah. But yeah, it's an original IP. Um, imagine trying to make a comic book movie today, um, that, that was using an original IP and not a Marvel or a DC character. It's... How well would that go? Yeah. There is so much that is awesome <laughs> that I like about a movie. This, so it's 1990, yeah. and I think it is... It's just, hot off the heels of Batman. Yeah. Right, 89 Batman. Right off, right from the start, I I, I admired this for um, being orig, original IP in a, in, a, in a genre that is universally only comes... From two houses. Defined or by DC. the way it comes yeah. out of those two, yeah. those two comic universes. Yeah. And every now and again, some nerd will go, but what about Image? And you tell them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares um, about Spawn anymore. Got it? So, so as, as you've pointed out, this came out one year after the Tim Burton Batman, Batman yeah. movie. Um, and, and the influence is all over it like a, <laughs> like a rash. It is. It is un- unavoidable. Um, the marketing, like if you look at the marketing and how they've pitched it, the, the, the comic, the the cover of the DVD, like they've clearly gone into this yeah. and gone. I mean, movies take more than a year to make. So like they kind of, so, they kind of seen Batman before they started this. Well, like, I guess they would have known. We can talk about it. We can talk about it now. We can go into it later, but, um, no, let's, let's do it. Let's do it now. Okay. So, um, Sam Raimi, after the success of the evil dead films, he showed an interest or he was quite interested in obtaining the rights to either Batman or the shadow right and he had expressed some interest in making a comic book movie um so he discovered obviously that batman was uh, not up for grabs that was a warner brother property yeah. and he wasn't getting his hands on it and the shadow had already been bought by somebody else um uh, 60 uh, even 30 or 40s radio serial okay. the shadow and that got um, made a few years later the shadow right. got made a few years later with alec baldwin and um and <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Alec Baldwin, um, a very, a very um, young and um, slim Alec Baldwin. Mm. Um, and uh, he couldn't get the rights to either of those properties. And he thought it would be too expensive to get the rights to a property. Um, so he decided instead to make his own character. So he make his. Did you hear that, folks? <laughs> he decided he to made, be original. He made his own character. He made his own character. Unbelievable. So he borrows very heavily from the shadow, the whole yeah. dark man we, get up. That, that phrase, make his own character, we use in its loosest possible <laughs> sense. <laughs> but hey, you know, um, I, I'll give, I'm giving it to him. Yeah, That's he, credit, he but... was just like, well, how different does it need to be? He clearly wanted to make a movie about the shadow, and I think. The, the ultimate punchline to this is he now actually does own the rights to the shadow, Sam Raimi. Really? Has. So he has hinted for years that he wants to make a movie of the shadow. Okay. But um, ironically, he created a character that was pretty similar in look. You know, the whole trench coat mm. with the hat. Like, that is almost the shadow to a T. Yeah. Um, and if you have a look at the Alec Baldwin film, the, the character is not different. Um, right. 
so yeah and then he decided that he wanted this character that um could change faces and do all the stuff and originally the story had um uh, his name Peyton Westlake yeah yeah Peyton Westlake um was going to be an actor he was going to be this master of disguise uh, um and he was going to change his face but then he thought that was a bit silly and then he wanted a reason for him to be able to change his look um so dramatically so he invented the scientist character who was working on a liquid skin that could be used to replace skin in burn victims yeah. um and the less you think about how that actually works in practice the happier you're going to be um because i started thinking about yeah. it's like so how does the facial tick work like is it organic does it make yeah. your own skin like it just does it feel pain like what's going on here um and yeah, so and they voila. went and they went through a lot of drafts. Yeah, right? they, they did, got, and they got help at one point, uncredited by the Cohen brothers, yeah. Joe and e- Joe and Ethan Cohen. Um, and this film has, um, I think, five credited screenwriters. So it's yeah. got Sam and his brother Ivan, who is a doctor. Right. Um, it's got Chuck Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer. Um, some guy and he wrote a bunch of action films in the 80s so some of the action scenes clearly come from that quadrant mm. um and he also had another writer himself one two three four five yeah oh there's two other people on mm. there as well a, 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 a brother a brother duo who wrote some stuff a lot, a lot of work went into that a lot of people had their yeah and apparently according to the interwebs joe and ethan cohen mm. um also helped with an uncredited rewrite it actually comes out surprisingly coherent strangely for for all of that um i blame sam raimi yeah <laughs> <laughs> that man's of singular focus i tell you um and it's and it's i i, I gotta say i mean um yeah i i so the the concept is um like you said he's he's a, a skin doctor yeah he's he's a um, scientist he's a, a scientist and his, his his big project is this liquid skin um and he, um, so he, Peyton, um, he gets caught up, his, his partner actually, Francis McDormand. Yep. Uh, and Peyton, we should say, is um, played by Liam Neeson. All six foot um, three of them. Yeah. Um, and so they... And one on, of his first starring roles. Yeah, more on, more on them later. Um, but so he's, he's a scientist and his partner is, uh, she's a, like a lawyer. I think she's a district attorney. Um, so yeah. she's, like a, she's like a crime fighter in her own right. Yeah. And so... Um, she's about to she's about to um, bust bust these criminals and they with oh, some no, shady land she's, dealing. She's busting some shady land deals with some some corporate prop like property developers yeah. and some city planners and a and a really nasty um, figure um, uh, play, called Robert Durant who yeah. she knows is dirty as fuck and she's got some evidence to prove that yeah. some bigwig developer is doing dirty dealing with yeah. robert durant and that so she so she she, she with a memorandum that she, she's found. yeah she goes there with oh what's the what's the memorandum the, called is it the belisarius memorandum Belisar- what a, yeah who came up with that line it's so <laughs> that's got to be a reference to somebody right so like some good. producer yeah. is called belisarius, belisarius or something the belisarius <laughs> memorandum comes up a lot it's really i love it it's mm. so good um so <laughs> <laughs> so she she goes and confronts confronts these this property dealer about this played um, by Colin um, Friels, yeah. Australia's own. And so she, and she she tells him she's got evidence, but she hasn't brought it with her. And so he sends his his thugs around to her, collect her house, which yep. ha, which and they live above the lab. They live above so the they lab, go to, they or go, the lab is above where they yeah. live. One of the so other. So they go to they go to Peyton's lab and they um, destroy it and they. Um, um, kill Peyton's assistant and they blow up the lab and Peyton, Peyton gets burned to a crisp. Not before they beat the snot out of him and torture him yeah. and dunk him in acid and burn his hands. And yeah. It's quite vicious. I mean, I, I'd forgotten. Yeah, Every time I watch this, it's, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's important to note that I think this was, at least in the UK and New Zealand, released as an R18 film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I believe that. There's yeah. no... The, the language is pretty clean i don't think there's oh there's any, a couple of f-bombs here I and there don't think there's, any... there's at least two fucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> i give at least I give, two fucks. I give at least this many fucks two of them so <laughs> um so um yeah so the, the, that happens that's kind of the, the the first act and so he 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 gets he gets blown up and he goes flying out of the building into the into the harbor and he kind of 
drags himself out of the water and he's, his body's kind of wrecked and mangled. Mm. Um, but he manages to salvage enough of the equipment from the Well, lab. he's found and he's found and he's taken oh, to the hospital. No, you're right. I'm skipping a step. He's, he's, he, his, his body gets found and he gets taken to hospital. And because he's got no ID and because he clearly has no insurance... Uh, they just figure the best thing to do with them is medical experimentation. Yeah. So <laughs> they, 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 test a, they test a new, like a Burns... Yeah, where they sever his nerves. On him. Um, yeah. Is the, is the thing they give. Um, but it makes him and a, that doctor makes played him a... by Jenny Agutter. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she's... Um, or for you, do you know who Jenny Agutter is? I do not. Uh, she was the main protagonist in uh, Logan's Run. And, right. Um, in An American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, Paris? London. American Werewolf yeah. in London. And um, so she's horror film royalty um, right. sci-fi horror horror royalty and they, and they have a bunch of other yeah a and bunch of they, other cameos behind yeah yeah the doctor um, masks, yeah right. freaking um john landis is one of the doctors yeah. you know so sam raimi and, and those guys love putting other directors yeah. in their films so there's this there's this kind of exposition scene where she explains this uh, this procedure that they've done and for yeah. some reason it makes him super strong well it just and, means he gets these huge adrenaline rushes oh, that runs right. unchecked so and he and he's immune to he's immune to pain, pain so he doesn't oh no that that's right he can't feel physical pain and his body uh, compensates, compensates by amping by, up everything yeah up. um um, and, he, and it's important to note that at this point you can't see his face. He's just got this. Yeah, he's wrapped in bandages. Bandages. He's, he looks like he's in a. He looks like he's in a mask of his own. So yeah. Super, real superhero origins here, where they're yeah. explaining why he's got a costume and yeah. why he's wearing it. So. So he, he he breaks he breaks out and he goes back to his he goes back to his lab and he salvages some of the equipment and yep. he goes and sets up he finds an abandoned warehouse, warehouse yeah. and he sets up a new Where lab. Where are all of these abandoned warehouses? <laughs> and why aren't prom- Every, everywhere you need one apparently? Well, I don't know why. Like in the context of this film, like he just wanders into some warehouse that still has power and he's made he can turn on the power and yeah. get the party started. Why? Why go to all that trouble with shady land deals and whatnot when there's just warehouses yeah. lying around on the waterfront, just waiting to be inhabited? <laughs> um, <laughs> no need to kill people. Just go find an abandoned warehouse and set up your fancy building there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so the, the the second act starts with him. He's in his he's in his new lab and he's trying he's trying to get his. Uh, his equipment working so that he can rebuild his face. Oh, and I think we've, we've missed an important step here, which gives the guy his namesake. The 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 skin he's making um, is good, but for oh, whatever reason, yes. it only lasts for 99 minutes in the light. Yeah. But in the dark, it lasts indefinitely. Yeah, that's right. So um, they've made some kind of a breakthrough. So he's on the cusp of something, mm. um, and that's when the goons turn up and, yeah. and ruin everything. Um, hence the hence the dark man. So dark he, man. He can make this. He can make the skin, and it will last. But it only lasts in the in dark. The, dark yeah. the light light, light kills it. it. Yeah. So he's um, he sits about trying to make and make a new face for himself, but he only has a. He needs you. Need, you need to have a photo. Yeah, he com- needs a photo of himself. Computer system to yeah. work from, and he's only the fo- The only photo that he's got is kind of damaged. Yeah, and so. Um, uh, he needs to set the computer to run for a little while, working this out. But in the meantime, he's, he's just getting falling, some revenge, falling around with what <laughs> other faces he can create, and it becomes this. So, uh, so the second act becomes this revenge story where he starts seeking out these these goons. Yeah, and, one at a time, and setting them a, off against each yeah, other in a kind of County Mont- Monte Cristo way. Yeah, kind of I was going to say like finding ways to take their place and to fuck them up. Yep. And, um, which he does to some great effect because although it's yeah. never really explained in the film, um, not only does Liam Neeson have the um, scientific means to impersonate anybody he wants, he can somehow or other put on and shed weight with <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with um, Hollywood levels of, of ability. Um, yeah, yeah. He, this guy puts Christian Bale to shame <laughs> with the amount of weight he can put on or lose um, for any given moment, and not only that. Make himself significantly shorter because that first guy he knocks off yeah. the muscle guy with the tattoo of the knife in his head. Yeah. Um, that guy's got to be at he's least shorter than Liam be Neeson. At least a foot shorter than Liam Neeson, and yeah. he's just like being him at breakfast. Um, it's hilarious. So he has a real. He, oh, but he also kills Ted Ramy. So the first person he kills is um, 
the 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 guy who just the guy who kills it in the by, subway in the, su- in the sewer. Yeah, that's, so yeah, that's Ted Ramey. He pushes, pushes his head up. Yeah, from, the, from a, a up through a manhole, manhole. Um, going onto a street, so he gets so his head gets knocked off, but by a crushed car. by by a truck. Um, that's Ted Ramey. That's the brother mm. to the director, who's in uh, all of Sam Ramey's films. But yeah. Um, yeah, Sam Ramey, that guy is not above nepotism, man. Yeah. Um, the only person who's worse is Ron Howard, if you ask me. He's always putting his dopey brother in his movie. <laughs> um, but um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the relationship between... Um, so I, probably as good a time as any to talk about it. I'm just taking this off track. But the relationship between Ted Ramey and Robert Durant is very interesting in this film. So there's clearly some implied... So, wait, so who's, who's Robert Durant? Robert Durant is the, the big bad, played by Larry Drake. He's oh, the right. finger he's guy. The, he's the he's one the chopping fang, off. He's yeah. the finger guy. Yeah, yeah, he's truly creepy in this so film. The, yeah, the bad guys, not only is he, as Craig says, a truly creepy actor, his, um, his thing is that, is that he's got a cigarette... Uh, cutter uh, a, cigar. a cigar cutter yeah and be, he likes to cut off people's fingers with and it. take them as trophies yeah yeah and there's a scene showing him with his with his collection of finger trophies it's really yeah. Yeah. really creepy um but he has a very interesting and implied relationship with ted Ramey in this film there's this whole like awkward man that completely passed me by oh there's there's really? a scene at a party where they're at a party and and um and so first it happens when they kill the assistant. And um, so Ted Ramey, so the assistant's got a plastic bag over his head. Yeah. And, um, and it's this, this guy, it's an awful scene. And Ted Ramey's standing there with a gold-plated um, pistol and he shoots him through the head. Yeah. Um, and um, Larry Drake comes over and he's like, oh, you got him good. You, you drilled him right through the head. Like, just like just I told like you. I told and there's you. like this weird sort of, fatherly yeah, sort of harm around kind of a mentorship. yeah but then so. there's a scene later at a party where um they're there and they're having a drink and it's like it doesn't read like you know mentorship that reads like something else <laughs> yeah i'm looking at that going wow are they implying surely they're not oh i guess they are yep larry the the, the, the robert um, durant character is just gay he's got a toy boy yeah okay yeah it's just weird like that's how i read it right. uh, but yeah it's a very odd relationship okay that you're right that was off track but <laughs> amazing nonetheless i was, I, I, I loved the, loved the ride <laughs> you're welcome um <laughs> when i go off the reservation i go off the reservation so so peyton he, he obviously enjoys revenge, but he also he struggles with it a bit because he's a scientist and he's a moral guy, and I don't think he's that pleased about what he's become. About becoming and, a monster. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and, and um, around the midpoint of the film, he, he manages, the computer finally manages to f- finish complete, his complete, face. Complete so his can... own face, puts his own face on, and then he attempts to rekindle his relationship with Francis McDormand's um, Julie, um, who has been mourning him. Yep. Um, and he, he meets her at his grave. Mm. Um, and they so they strike their thing up again. But of course he can't, he can never be with her outdoors for more than 90 minutes or his skin starts falling off. Yeah. Um, and, and so he immense this whole thing like yeah. he's in a halfway house and he has to keep going back for treatment. Yeah, yeah. He'll be finished soon. He's just got some stuff to do. And yeah, so that's 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 kind of fraught with challenges as well. And then so, um, second half of the second act kind of plays plays that stuff out. There's a really good scene um, uh, at the carnival. At the carnival, mm. yeah, where he. Um, he loses the plot. He's trying to. He's trying to win her. This the pink. The pink elephant. Yeah. At a, at, a, at a carnival, and he he knocks the thing down, and the carny won't give him the toy because he was over the line. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts. He starts losing his shit, and and it, it's really. <laughs> <laughs> you really get a sense of how far on the edge this guy is who was so mild-mannered yeah and, yeah yeah and gentle at the start and they had such a nice thing at the start and this guy's obviously having such a hard time physically and mentally mentally holding it together, together yep yeah. barely holding it in there take the fucking elephant <laughs> <laughs> 
If I ever meet Francis McDormand, that's going to be my first answer. <laughs> Hi, I'm Francis McDormand. Take a look at that one. <laughs> okay, she says um, as she walked away and security dragged Craig from the building. <laughs> so the, so that, that, that stuff escalates and the, his revenge plot escalates as well. Yep. Um, as he goes out of his way, like he's, he's not interested in... Um, it's 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 very Phantom of the Opera. He's he's clearly yeah. he's clearly not interested in, in direct confrontation. That's clearly not his mm. thing. And what he's seemingly more happy about is getting them to kill each other. So that's yeah. definitely um, some uh, Count of Monte Cristo right there. Yeah. He's he's just all over the show. And I think that's just Sam Raimi as well. Like when he's inventing his own characters, he's like, I really like this idea. I really like that idea. Let's just put these things together, whether they yeah. work or not. Who cares? Just put them all in there, and we'll make it all happen somehow. And you get a lot of you get a lot of really kind of classic um, body double gags with yeah, yeah, people yeah. playing some some uh, like the actors play him playing their characters yeah and so they get to, they get to do a lot of that really good it's classic like um, um, it's switcheroo body yeah, switcheroo it's yeah a, it's a it's a trope but it's one that I always enjoy when you see actors playing other people playing, playing their themselves characters. yeah 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 um, so you get to you get to do a lot of that great stuff and at one point obviously he he meets the real guy while he's playing that same guy and you got the thug with the gun on them both which like, one which do one i one shoot, which shoot, one do I, shoot? Yeah. I just it's uh, i just like that scene so, when um with larry drake um and he's in the chinese restaurant and the guy's like i don't have the money for you and i i'm sure you'll understand and uh, it's been tough times and you know you know i haven't been paid so you don't yeah, get paid right. and he um he, he calmly so this is meant to be peyton, peyton. West, like playing robert durant yeah um so and he he's managed to work out how to say a few things as robert durant because he's recorded his voice and he's yeah. been practicing his voice um so he does a perfect imitation of robert durant and there's a scene where he like he pulls out the cigar and he, he goes to cut some of the cigar he ends up cutting a very small chunk of cigar and sticks this tiny little chunk of cigar in his mouth and goes on about uh, by the time I finish this cigar no money will be on the table or you'll be dead <laughs> it's, it's so good Larry Drake is amazing yeah. um, and because um, well, I, I think I saw this movie pretty close to when it came out I would have been in my early early teens yeah. Um, or 12 or something like that. And I remember Larry Drake was on a TV show called uh, L.A. Law. Right. And he was this kind of a slow, he played this slow character, like a, a lovable, lovable, not all quite there guy. Simpleton. Simpleton, yeah. yeah. I don't know what the, he, he, he wasn't playing with a full deck of cards. Um, uh, like a, he, like he had a mental age of like a nine year old or something yeah. like that. And um, yeah, to see him in this after seeing him in L.A. Law, uh, was was quite jarring for a twelve year old Craig. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Um, so in the what's, the what's the bad guy's name again? Robert Durant. Tra- Dur- Durant. Durant. Yeah. So Durant he manages to track trace him back to the lab through, um, Julie. Through so Francis McDormand's character. Um. Francis McDormand is is uh almost immediately after um, Peyton Westlake's death is being wooed by. Um, the yeah. the the rich asshole um, uh, Colin Friel's character I forget his name right now yeah um, so almost immediately he is he is being wooed by um, Lewis Strack Strack um, so uh, and she's hanging around with him and he's like the um, the only thing to get over grief is dance it relieves the tension or whatever and it's like yeah, yeah he's being all suave and smooth yeah. and um, she ends up at his office and he just happens to have the memorandum that was supposedly uh, destroyed yeah. in the apartment yeah. in a briefcase just lying out on his desk mm. and um completely just empty desk completely empty nothing desk else there. <laughs> nothing else there except an open briefcase and the one document <laughs> <laughs> so how did it get from a blown up building to here um and uh and i think somehow from there he puts it together that she, I think she tells him that Peyton's still alive. Yeah. And um, then he puts it all together and he, he goes, I, I know. And then Robert Durant turns up. And it's really no surprise, which is a bit of a shame um, because he could have been a surprise bad guy. Like, he's the real big bad and we mm. all assume it's Robert Durant. But no, almost from the get-go, he's identified as a bad guy. Um, and Robert Durant is his goon. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, and so he is then, he says, oh, Peyton... 
Peyton's still alive, you you didn't do your job. He's still alive, and I don't like loose ends, and you need to sort this out. And um, they're like, well, how do we find him? And he says, well, you just have to follow her. She's going to take you to him. And then that's exactly what happened. She goes to the warehouse where um, he's yeah. hanging out, and the goons literally cut her off. And yeah. and um, he's he's busy screaming Julie for the next couple of minutes. So, Julie! Yeah. Yeah, and that's all he does. And then the last act is, is as with any action movie, action. Action. It's, yeah, fighting, killing... Um, and some of it's pretty good. That whole bit with the helicopter was quite good, and the freeway chase, and him dangling off the bottom of the helicopter. Yeah, 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 it's 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 pretty it's pretty compelling as far as action movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. As, as they go, there's a bit he picks off a couple more of the bad guys by pretending to be the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, and then like there's they're wearing. There's and then there's a, a mask a, on a mask. A mask on a mask. Um, so yeah, a lot of really a lot of really classic stuff from there. I. Um, and then, so, yeah, evil is overcome, bad guys are defeated, but then at the end, it's he's there with Julie, and then he ditches her, he leaves her. He, says, he says, oh, the, old, I, the old me is dead. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can't. I, I can't, can't be that, no. I can't be that, yeah. I can't be with you. And then he... he Puts um, on a Bruce Campbell mask and... He, le- <laughs> he, he leaves, and oh, man, I cheered when he turned around. It, it was, was Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Cue Danny Elfman score. Uh, swell that score, yo. Loved it. Yeah. So he, yeah, you sense you get, he's disappeared into the night. And, yeah. And to, to be to be to dark, be dark man. man. Yeah. Um, and so Peyton is Peyton is gone at that point. And mm. It's just dark man. It's just dark man, maybe. Um, which is which is what you want from uh, you know the, the the movie is complete, so it gives it a really nice end. Yeah. That he's transitioned. He's. He's so had a full journey. He's got an arc, yeah. right? He's got a full arc where yeah. he starts as he starts as Peyton, and then at various points of the film, he's part Peyton, part, part Dark Man, yeah. and then at the at the end, it ties it up really nicely, and he's not Peyton's gone. I'm Dark Man now. I'm Dark Man now. Yeah. So, yeah, end to end, end to end, there's a really nice, really nice arc for him. Um, less so for her, because she's more or less like she's. It, it suffers from like one of those things where it's like she's a, a strong woman yeah. she refuses to get married to him like there's this whole thing why won't you marry me and she's like uh and then like she turns up to the apartment just before it blows up and she's like your wife and then yeah. like, and then she won't do it and then um like there's some some reason like there's that discussion where they have where why won't we get married you know why won't you marry me um and so she doesn't need that and then she's just She's a DA in the 80s, would have been the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so she's clearly, um, she's clearly got her own agency. She's doing her own yeah. thing. Um, and then um, she does become damsel in distress, literally dangling damsel in distress. And yeah. then, so and it's Frances McDormand. And she's amazing. Um, like oh. Two-time Academy Award winner, winner Frances McDormand is in yeah. this movie. As let's, the love interest. Let's talk about the cast in <laughs> this movie. The cast in this movie is fantastic. Wall to wall amazing. Just quality. <laughs> quality cast across the Just board. Just lightning I, struck. I, I think, yeah. And I think you're you're right. It's as much by it feels as much by accident as by design. Yeah, I don't it's, think anyone was like, "Oh, we found this really hot yeah. Irish guy. He is amazing. None we should cast these, him in everything." None of these people are really established. Solid, I don't think any of them are. Actors. I don't think there's a solid. I don't think there's a single actor in there. The most recognizable actor at that time in this movie would have been Larry Drake. Because he was in mm. the hottest TV show on television yeah. at the moment, LA yeah. Law. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everybody else was effectively a nobody. So I looked, I looked this up. So um, Fargo, which I think I don't know if Frances McDormand did anything really big before Fargo. Um, Fargo was ninety six, right? So that was still a few years away. Um, what would Liam Neeson have done? After oh, this was his. I think this was pretty much his first thing out the gate. Um, Liam Neeson was in the uh, seminal classic Crawl before this <laughs> um so he was one of the he was established one of the, as chops as a just, serious, just actor. serious actor in the in the uh, in the classic 80s film crawl he's not the hero in crawl no he's not the hero in crawl he's one of the guys in the background it's like oh fuck there's robbie coltrane oh fuck there's liam neeson that's hilarious um yeah so uh i, I don't know he might have been doing so well before this 
gosh, looking at this, he was in the high spirits. Um, so what after? What after that? What would have been? What would have been his big? Where would, where would, where so would right before this, what would have made him an actor to look at in um, America probably would have been the um, Dirty Harry, the fifth Dirty Harry film. He's um, he's in that as Peter Swan. He's a, a director character in that, so that would have okay. put him on the map as an American okay. actor. Um, but yeah, he's, 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 he's certainly a hardworking, um, actor. He's, he's in Miami Vice for an episode. He's in A Woman of Substance. Uh, he's in English stuff. He's Craig in is Bounty. reading this, by the way, off his phone. No, this no, is this is all off the This is just off the dome. He's, uh, he's an Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson's about is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, no, he, he, this, this is his first leading role. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I'm just confirming it now. Yeah, you see it. This was his first, I'm pretty sure this was his first, okay. certainly Hollywood leading yeah. role. And he, um, like, he, he must have, like, Bruce Campbell must have been earmarked for it oh 100 percent. he was right yeah, yeah 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 i um i think i think that's matter of fact i think that yeah. bruce campbell was 100 percent meant to be peyton westlake and i think what happened uh, from what i was reading at least um he was they they got it so the movie started making and i think they they really started fooling around with the concept of dark man in about 86 87 yeah and um uh the so, studio was keen hot off the heels of evil dead Two. So Evil Dead Two was eighty seven. Yeah. yeah, and um, so they're they're leading into this, and it's like Bruce Campbell, you're going to be Peyton Westlake, um, which is I, I can't imagine that version of this movie. Um, ne- no, no, I love Bruce Campbell, but I just don't like. I he's great, but next to Liam Neeson, he's amateur out and it, but even in a even in a and in, in what is what is a it's a schlock movie still I mean, yeah 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 look it's it's fantastic it's not it's, a simple plan not, which is probably yeah. sam raimi's straightest film it's not a it's not it's not quality cinema um, no but it's good but cinema. I think it, but i think it really it, it i think if if any of the I, th- I think it's made watchable and it works because the cast is, I think the cast being so solid. Yeah. Because a, a lot of the dialogue is really awful. Oh, it's can- it's schlocky and, as hell. And, um, yeah, I, um, uh, Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand earn every penny. Oh, they, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Paid for this movie by yeah. making it. By, they're making, they're by... making, making freaking. um, expensive dinners with packets of noodles yeah they are they are really yeah. working with everything they've got and i think if you if you had bruce campbell in it i i don't think it would i don't think you you want to think that it's going to create that evil dead vibe of everything everything working because it's all equal parts schlocky yeah but i don't think that would have happened no no i think i think i think his i think his sensibilities to um be um uh, just you know that yeah. B movie actor to, yeah. to be that larger than life character to wink at the camera, I think, and which works so well for the Evil Dead films. Yeah. But I just not here. But there are a lot, a lot of other things in this movie that are, are done uh, in a extravagant way, but done well. Yeah, the music. Oh um, yeah, the Danny so Elfman it's, score it's, is it's amazing. Dan, Danny Elfman rolling straight off Batman, right? And and he rolls straight into what is it, what did you say he does? Dick after Tracy. This? Dick Tracy. Yeah. So, so he rolls straight into those Dick three Tracy scores are practically the same score. Yeah. Like you can listen to them as one piece of music, in my opinion. Yeah. But so the 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 theme is is very compelling. It's yeah. Very, it's very strong theme, um, and even the even the art design, the set design. Uh, uh, it, it, it speaks a lot to that '89 Batman style as well. Yeah, it's, that gothic feel. It's very great. Although, very interestingly gothic. enough, the movie Dark Man takes place primarily during the day, yeah. which is like kind about, of interesting. During the day. During the day, and I thought that was really interesting watching it again. Just how much of this movie happens in broad daylight? There are gargoyles in it. Yeah, <laughs> very Batman esque though. Like yeah. that is such a Batman shot to see Batman on the top of a building with some gargoyles with yeah. the with the trench coat hanging like a cape. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that Sam Raimi wanted to make a different movie but and it's, made the it's, movie he could with the pro- with the property yeah. he had. But for, for yeah, for the for the money he had, the, the sets are really amazing. Yeah, that's um, well done. So the bad guys, um, his his the, the office. Yeah. 
that he works. Colin Friel's the yeah, Colin Friel's office is, is very grand and stylized. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very eighties as well. The the lab and the warehouse, which has got a crazy um, Doctor Frankenstein kind of a yeah, vibe to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah grand. Yeah. You're right. It almost harkens back to that kind of the, which is the thirties kind of which plays to what Sam Raimi is is doing half yeah. the time, which is I really like these movies. Yeah, here's my interpretation of these um, movies. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of light and dark. A yep. lot of um, yeah, grand. In scale big, yeah big big open space so the um cinematographer on this movie is a chap called bill pope mm-hmm. um and he is i think he's academy award winning bill pope craig is not reading this <laughs> <laughs> um, so but yeah he he is amazing in his own right so he goes on to do um, the matrix movies he goes on to do um spider-man i think that's bill pope um, so Bill Pope uh, and so the, Spider-Man, same, the Sam Raimi the Spider-Man. Sam Raimi Spider-Man right. so um, Sam Raimi did actually get to make his comic book hero movie down the track and mm. I think this movie is what got him that mm. um, but yeah so Bill Pope um, I'm not sure if it's his first film probably not but Bill Pope um, is a consummate professional with the camera he really knows mm. what he's doing and you see that in this it's beautifully oh, shot yeah it looks, um, it looks amazing and they use every old school so this is just pre-cg so i think there's a cheap cg shot or two in this film with the hand and the and like the nose model like those are some early cg mm, shots yeah. but um this is just pre big budget cg film and there, so yeah and there is a really nice stop motion shot oh, of, of the hand, hand the hands withering when yep. they when they get burned and the typing and... on the keyboard so there's a he's got there's one shot where he's got a nice hand where he's he's made a he's made a um, a, a water skin based hand and he's got his burnt up other hand and one of them is a uh, either a puppet or animatronic or it's a it's a stop motion hand yeah doing typing and like that's a really neat shot yeah um but yeah sam raimi using every old school trick in the book and a lot of it a lot of those special effects happening in camera so like not happening in post yeah um and i think they used a, a, a some rear screen projection and some front screen projection and some yeah. introscope yeah. techniques where they're hanging glass plates in front of the the camera to like make things look bigger or to grander than they are um just mm. really amazing stuff um, um there's some cool we should mention some of the montages as well some of the kind of uh descent into madness yep. kind of sequences with the 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 wall breaking with the rage behind yeah yep. yeah harkening back to that the vertigo kind of yep. style of the um really really stylized kind of descent into madness and that's sam raimi to a t yeah. like every film sam raimi's been a part of with the exception of possibly um love of the game and a simple plan yeah um everything he's been in is that super stylized you know he loves that kinetic frantic action in the camera yeah. if the character is turning over 180 the camera is going with them 180 it's, yeah. yeah that's sam sam raimi to a t he is yeah he is probably highly um underrated in today i mean i think the last thing he did of any note was the great and wonderful oz which was just instantly forgettable um it's just a shame so i mean story-wise there's not much to fault in this it it just it hits it it pretty much hits its mark yeah it really gets done what it wants Um, to do it the yeah the, the the dialogues yeah i think the dialogues are great it's schlocky but i think again I can't decide if that's an intentional choice by Sam Raimi because that's what he's going for. He wants that mm. B-movie serial. Mm. So he wants that dialogue to be yeah. really campy. He wants um, the yeah, the jury! All the way through it. And he, he wants it to be um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He wants it to be um, the... Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Yeah. Hyde. Yeah, he really wants that. That's does, what he, he does. Actually, ask at one point, "What have I become?" Yeah, yeah, yeah which is, I think, a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde quote. Um, yeah, I think that's straight from the Louis mm. Stevenson novel. But um, what have I become? Um, mm. But yeah, he, that's what he's going for. He's really hammering it. Um, but I can't really fault it. The only thing I would sort of say is that I, and I think I'm, I'm not mistaken here. I think the studio really really this is so universal's the studio um universal really wanted batman so they yeah so batman comes out in 89 makes all the money ever it's yeah it's a huge hit 
um, and what they really want is that. And so I think Sam Raimi delivers a film which is more horror than it is action summer com- summer mm, action film, which yeah. you can which you can sell action figures with, which you can slap a video game on, which you can sell lunch boxes with the Dark Man logo on. Yeah. And it's R18, so it's really not for kids anyway. Um, and I think that's what Sam Raimi delivers, and I don't think that's what they wanted. And I, I get the feeling that they made him go back and shoot action sequences, because there's that big action sequence in the, the, third, the beginning of the third act uh, with Robert Durant, which um, I feel was meant to be a more nuanced revenge thing as opposed to an out-and-out action sequence. Which party? Which party? So the the fight in the warehouse. So that that yeah. I I feel like that's what the studio wanted. I feel like they were like, oh, we we're gonna need a big action set piece. Yeah. Right here, because up until now, Darkman's done some Darkmaning stuff, but he hasn't done any action superhero yeah. stuff. So you better have him swinging from a from a helicopter, helicopter, because otherwise you don't have a film. Um, and yeah, I could have done without that. So it just like I like that sequence. That's well done. I love all of that. It's cool. But I kind of feel like that's not where that story needed to go. Yeah, the, the, the jam and some gags in there that probably didn't need to be there. Some action hero beats. Like, action, yeah. Yeah, there's, Robert Durant turns up with a grenade launcher and, and I think Darkman literally, you know, mugs at the camera and, and goes, you got to be fucking me. you got to be <laughs> fucking with me. And then um, something else blows up. And um, and that's like... He's, like a, he's, he's swinging from the helicopter and he smashes through a building and lands on a, <laughs> and a, lands on a desk <laughs> in a meeting. And they're all looking at him. And, does and he say... Does he crack wise or he, does he just fly back No, he cracks again? wise. <laughs> I can't remember. And then he gets pulled out. I can't remember again. what he says. Yeah, and then... Um, and then finally he manages to hook the helicopter to a truck and smashes it into an overpass yeah. um, and kills everyone. And he's cackling like a demon on this on this truck. And this pyroball <laughs> behind them is happening. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. But um, I, I feel like that, like compared to the rest of the film, like that doesn't fit. Like that's not where this film was going. Yeah. Like I liked it. Don't get me wrong. It's more of a, it's it's actually it's almost that that Terminator thing where Terminator is originally meant he's meant to be a um, an infiltration yeah unit. He's designed to look like a human so he can infiltrate, but the action um, imperative took over. And you need to have an action sequence where this thing becomes yeah. an unstoppable killing and, machine. And you need to have Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the Terminator, and you can't have um, what's the guy's name? He played Bishop in Alien. Oh, Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, you can't have Lance Hendrickson. He's not an action star. And you can't. <laughs> you, can't you can't. have Well, that. I think he was cast as the Terminator, yeah, was, and, was, and they they booted him. They, and they, they, they pulled him for for Arnie because they wanted to have a big star. But the Terminator. The idea behind the Terminator is that he's an infiltration unit, and so. It's, it's kind of similar here with Darkman. <clears throat> you're right, for the entire second act, he's doing infiltration. Yeah. Um, and then in the third act, the action imperative takes like, over. Fuck and, it. We need an action sequence. Yeah. How many more of these guys we got to kill? Three? Four? Okay, let's get it all done in yeah. one, in one how, sequence. How are we going to do it? Yeah, and he, and he does it. Like, But I, I kind of feel like there was a, a, whole, a whole bit where... Um, yeah, that might have been a different way that that third act could have. Because he out. just turns up to the construction site after that, and he's pretending to be Robert Durant, and um, and and Colin Friels is all like, "Hey, you've got something here, you know? I'm just being." And don't, yeah, and he he tricks him into saying that he's got kids, and he doesn't have kids. Um, and I kind of feel like someone who was hanging around outside his mansion for a night on end. Figuring out how to be his voice and listening to him through the thing would know that he doesn't have kids. It just <laughs> it, it kind of feels like it's just like this. Oh, better shoehorn this yeah. in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Third act, third act feels horned in a little bit. It doesn't quite match the the rest of the rest film. Of the, the it just like it's leading up to this thing where it, you've got to get to this part where it almost feels like Ted Raimi needs to stay alive longer, and they need to develop that. It's clearly a relationship between Robert Durant and Ted Raimi, and um, and it you need to have that moment where where Robert Durant kills Ted Raimi because he's Darkman's impersonated Ted Raimi, mm. and he's he's threatening to go he's threatening Ooh, to out him oh. as a as a gay man in 1990, 
um, this hard ass criminal and, and he kills Ted Raimi. Um, and it's, and it's not, that isn't at all. Well, I loved you. I didn't yeah. say any of those things. And then it's Robert Durant going, Whoa, what have I done? And then Jesus, that's a different film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but that kind of feels like this, what this wants to be. Yeah. And it kind of feels like that's where it needed to go. Yeah. And, and yeah. But no, you've got this, that's yeah. That's more. Um, what this more, film? That's more confronting, isn't it? Than well, it's more. It's more consistent with the film that we're being presented today. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that's the film I wanted to see. Yeah. But instead, we've got this. Don't get me wrong. Great action sequence, and I love me an action movie. But it feels like it's in the wrong film. Would you say that about the first five minutes as well? The first five minutes. What with the first five minutes oh with that big action scene in the Durant attacking the um, oh. the other criminal <laughs> the the guy the, the, the super smooth black guy can I read you the note that I wrote <laughs> Go on five then. minutes in is this the stupidest movie I've ever seen <laughs> question mark <laughs> I was married once what happened I had to break it off <laughs> <laughs> and a guy who's got the leg and he pulls the leg out there's a machine gun in the leg and there's that bit where they pat them down and there's this big pile of yeah. weapons like there's knuckle there's, dusters in there five of them and they've got one gun one gun between the them leg. yep and then and there's cars jumping through at least through. 50 people and there's and cars and containers cars. and they're driving these cars out yep Durant pulls out his, his revolver yeah. <laughs> it's a good revolver man don't <laughs> knock it wipes out so it's Durant with his revolver that he, he concealed somewhere. Somewhere. Even, even though he got patted down, somehow he went up with a revolver. <laughs> and then there's the dude one the, the, the dude with the machine gun yep, which was concealed with the leg. in the guy's yep. leg. Which I thought was cool. Two of them two of them with Bum leg. So two weapons. No leg. <laughs> five guys, two weapons against fifty guys, all armed to the teeth. Some of them and in cars. Driving around. They're driving around. They're circling around them in cars. <laughs> And it's the amazing there's five guys and I bet you you were thinking this whole time what has Craig made me watch exactly that poor Caitlin exactly was just what like what have what has he set loose upon this house what in God's name has Craig made me watch and then he does the and then the the, the closer the, the closer on that scene as he's t- starts taking off the guy's fingers, fingers yeah one at a time I got three points to make and he takes off one finger with each point. Yeah. One point one, point two, and then point three. He takes off the third finger and he's got the point three is I've got seven more oh, points. points. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point you're just like, okay. Yes, I'm invested oh, in this film. Okay. I want more. This is going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've got seven more points. So good, and then a tight zoom on that guy's face, <laughs> cuts to scream, and then yeah, title. The, the reaction, the reaction so shot. That movie is, is it's wall to wall class. So there's lots of issues with this film, uh, and, but I think the execution of it, the, the final product, despite well, how the mess it was made to get there, is great. Oh, you yeah, you you hit it on the head. It one hundred percent achieves everything, everything it sets out to achieve. Yeah. The things it fails to achieve, it didn't give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got time for that. Yeah. Shit. Should we make this dialogue more believable? Nah, fuck it. Nah. <laughs> Action shot. Do it. Hero pose. Do it. Yeah. Nailed it, Liam Neeson. Nailed <laughs> What do you think, Liam? So uh, I watched an interview of a few things leading up to this, and Liam Neeson apparently had a great time on set, and he thought this was a great film. And I'm on board 100% with you, Mr. Liam Neeson. <laughs> I, wonder how Fran- I wonder how two-time Oscar winner Francis McDormand. Two-time Oscar winner. Tell about it. Francis McDormand. Um, I don't know. I could. I think she was just turning up for the paycheck, right? She's a working actress in Hollywood. She wasn't Kim Bassinger. Yeah. Yeah, this is the 80s. Yeah, no one, no one cares about her ability in the 80s, right? Uh... What was she doing in the 80s? What else was she doing? No, she didn't so do she much. So she did Coen Brothers stuff. She did Blood Simple in 84. Which is oh. The first Coen Brothers film. So she's, all, oh, she's uh, always been around she's the Coen. So she's always been, always done Coen Brothers stuff. Right, right. Because she's a serious actress. wonder what made her get into this. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was Coen Brothers' involvement. So immediately There's before sort of this, there. she was, she was an uncredited 
in Miller's Crossing in 1990. She was in Mississippi Burning in 88. Yeah, she was in the Twilight Zone. She was in nothing. Fargo in 96. Yeah, and then she goes from this to The Butcher's Wife to Barton Fink. She's an uncredited part in Barton Fink. Um, she um, She does a cartoon voice in 92. Yeah, Shortcuts, Crazy in Love, The Good Old Boys... And then she, oh, she Primal Fear in 96. Was, was Fargo the first Oscar? Yeah, and then Fargo. Like, I love me some Francis McDormand. Have you seen Three Billboards? And Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Yes. That is so good. She is so good in that one. When <laughs> she kicks the kid in the nuts. <laughs> and then the kid's girlfriend's just like, ah, you can't. And then she kicks her in the crotch. And it's like, yes, Francis McDormand. <laughs> So so good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how she'll she. Be, she'll be working for the rest of her life. I don't know. Yeah, she's she'll be Meryl Streep when Meryl Streep's not Meryl Streep. Yeah, It'll, like you'll just be giving Oscars to Frances McDormand because you know who else you gonna give it to? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Like she. I think she turned up for the paycheck. I think she got cast. I think she was super excited to be in this film. She was just super excited to have a credit. I man, I really hope that everybody had a great time. <laughs> you just hate it to hear that, like everyone. I, I think it's the Sam Raimi movie. I, th- I think Sam Raimi is a great filmmaker, and I, I think I don't think he's a James Cameron filmmaker. I think Sam yeah. Raimi's like, okay, the wall wobbled. Who cares? Um, yeah. Whereas James Cameron's it, like, he's Edward. But yeah. Kind of. But talented. Yeah. On purpose, talented. Yeah. Not, not by accident, talented. I think Sam Raimi, yeah, he knocks it out of the park on this. So, yeah, I think this is a great film. <laughs> I, I I can't think of anything else bad to say about this film. <laughs> this, I've That's... got issues with it. Like, and I I think when I when I originally watched this, I wanted it to be Batman. Like, I yeah. I'd come off Batman. Uh, I wanted this, and I was a. I'll, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. As a teenage, as as a kid, I was a huge comic book fan. Yeah, I loved me some comics. Me and my friends used to sit around and talk about who we would cast in films, um, and which is just wild now. When you when I go to watch an Avengers movie, and you've got all of those characters in that movie, and yeah. they're they're not they're not a film version of that character. They are the comic book character in that film. Like, yeah. that is amazing to me. I can't get over that. I just sit there and I'm giddy with glee. Every time I go to one of those Marvel films, um, less so the DC ones, but um, let's not start any battles here. But this, I wanted this film to be Batman when I watched it. I wanted mm. more Batman. I wanted wanted this to be Batman, and I wanted it to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which came out the same year, ninety nine. Mm, but yeah. um, uh, but watching this as an adult, yeah, this movie's yeah. great. I looked I looked this up. So Batman cost forty eight million to make. That's all prints. it's all velvet pillows for prints and groupies to keep them quiet and for pregnancy tests that's because they just got pregnant walking into the room prince was sat in the corner and they all spontaneously got pregnant even michael keaton got pregnant (laughs) michael keaton was pregnant they kept having to take him to get it sorted out (laughs) that's for your 48 million Um, and and jack also that was also jack nicholson i don't know how much they paid jack nicholson for that movie but they must have paid him truckloads to turn up on that because Jack Nicholson, Academy Award winning Jack Nicholson, he's in Batman. Two time yeah. was he two time Academy Award winner at that time? He must have been. In terms of an, I can't. It was uh, he. I'm pretty sure he was. Oh, it was a tough remember. call. I can't remember. But it was Jack Nicholson. Like he's a huge star in his own right. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know if I've mentioned this on another podcast, but I just finished reading Easy Riders: Raging Bulls. Which oh, is about, okay. Um, um, uh, authorship, directorship, and authorship in the seventies. Oh yeah, the growth and death of uh, with with of Heaven's di- Gate directorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. And and yeah, Michael Camino. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jack Nicholson. He he comes up in that a lot as someone who just <clears throat> he just from the moment he was an easy rider, he just had the star power and he could do whatever he wanted. He could just he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, and he and, pretty much did. He didn't he do the um. Wasn't he partially responsible for the, um, what's that, uh, the American answer to the Beatles, uh, the monkeys? There's a monkeys movie, and um, 
and Jack Nicholson was largely responsible or was was, was in part responsible for that film. Jeez, really? Yeah, like Jack Nicholson was just chilling with a mountain of coke or, yeah. or whatever it was they were doing at that time and he was just like, yeah, we'll make this movie and you can be dandruff in hair and, and that's how the movie opens. Mm. Um, yeah, Jack Nicholson, crazy guy. Um, yeah, what were we saying? Oh, budgets. So yeah, Batman, $48 million dollars. The Dark Man was sixteen million dollars, so it was a third of the budget for Batman. Batman netted four hundred. Dark Man netted forty nine. So that's that's a win for Universal. That's yeah. a that's so made a, made a, so made we're a talk, ton of money. We're talking nineteen nineties money here, so um uh sixteen million. Does that include the marketing? Uh dunno. Okay, so you figure like this isn't now marketing where you can pretty much double whatever the budget is on marketing. Yeah. Um so I figure this is what nineteen nineties and maybe another ten million on top of that for marketing. Like uh-huh. and then they don't really care about international markets. If people go to it in China they don't care. Yeah. Um so yeah, fifty million, that's a hit. They they made they made their money back yeah. on this movie, they yeah, don't bang. care. Um and I bet you I bet you this was um in foreign territories where this missed the cinema where this didn't fire in cinemas or it didn't even make it to the cinemas. I bet you the thing cleaned up on D uh, on VHS. I think this would have been a hot seller on mm. VHS. This would have been off the shelves. Mm. They would have been renting this like wildfire. And they made, did, did, <clears throat> did we mention they made sequels of this? Yeah, they made, made straight to video. They made us, they made a, they, they tried to turn it into a TV series. So there was a pilot made, which you can find on YouTube, which yeah. is, they, recast Liam Neeson because of course Liam Neeson's not doing the TV show. No. Larry Drake turns up for the for the TV show. Right. Um and they make two direct to D- direct to VHS sequels. Um one's called The Return of Robert Durant because apparently he survived the helicopter crash and was just in a coma. Yeah. Um and the second one's called Die Dark Man Die. <laughs> or or for the Germans out there The Dark Man. The... <laughs> I, I want to watch that one <laughs> so, so they, much. They, like, um, I know it's I know it's going to be terrible. It's terrible. It's I, I think I tried to watch one of them and um, I couldn't watch it. It was really bad. And um, they recast. Obviously, Liam Neeson doesn't have anything to do with it. It is produced by Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert, um, yeah. but it's directed by someone else. And they recast Liam Neeson with Andrew Andrew Vosselu. Uh-huh. Um, and if that name doesn't sound familiar, don't feel so bad. He's a South African actor who's best known for playing the mummy in the the 90s mummy movie. <laughs> so that's An- Andro Vosselu. He's this, um, he's, he's an imposing guy. Um, he's in Blood Diamond. He's like, okay. um, he's like Leo DiCaprio's old commandant or whatever. He's a, he's right. a big South African guy. You can imagine him yelling. Big jaw. Big jaw, yeah. He's a he's a he's an imposing looking guy. But he plays um Darkman. Um mm. and it's not good. Mm. No. It's terrible. Um yeah, Liam Neeson, I think I think what really makes this movie work is um the casting, like you say. Liam yeah. Neeson, Francis McDormand, um Larry Drake, um Colin Friel's just knocking it out of the park. Um really going to town with what they had. Um Really yeah. making gourmet dishes from two minute noodles. Yeah, I I agree. It's just it's just not the same. It's not the same movie if 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 the that that dialogue is not being delivered in in earnest by by by, genu- by, by genu- talented actors, genuine talented actors. Yeah, people who would go on to define a generation mm. of films. Um, it, it really the it really relies a lot a lot on that a lot on a tight script. And and just on on ninety one minutes. Yeah, on and as you'd say for a lot of Sam Raimi stuff, just a lot of a lot of love, a lot yeah, of passion, a lot of yeah. Clearly, someone who knows what he's doing, and yeah. clearly someone with a vision, and yeah. and it's an original property. And I mean, that's not something that you would be so proud of in nineteen ninety, like an original property in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Um, but today, imagine that. Imagine that movie today. Like, try and. That, Would you, uh, yeah, that movie is getting released on YouTube. Oh, 100%. That's that's a YouTube red film or a Netflix film because yeah. no one's going to the cinema to see it. Yeah. Um, and not only that, I don't think you'd get it at the door because somebody somewhere in DC or Marvel would be going, oh, that's that's copyright infringement. But um, I, I guess in 1990, people didn't care. But yeah, Marvel Marvel made a comic of it. Um, and then later, they um, a three-part comic. 
Uh, and then later on, it was picked up by another crowd. I can't remember, but they actually did a Dark Man versus the Evil Dead or Dark Man versus the Army of Darkness, where they team him up with, <laughs> with Ashley J. Williams to fight the Army of Darkness. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> It's, it's worth it <laughs> you just check it out <laughs> it was one of those comic companies that came along and was like what's available and what's cheap we'll buy it and then yeah. we'll just turn it into whatever and so yeah, yeah, yeah it's a cop classic um, but yeah this this uh, I'm going to call it yeah. um, this this film is, is verging on greatness yeah. it, it no, is amazing nothing else to say on this it yeah. is 100% verging on greatness so if you really haven't fantastic. seen it I highly recommend it. There's yeah. a there's a beautiful uh, Blu-ray copy where you can get all three films. You can throw two of those discs out um, and just watch watch it. It is amazing. Yeah, just en- enjoy the enjoy the sh- the schlock. Enjoy and Liam Neeson with a reasonably convincing American accent. Yeah, something he fails to do for the rest of his career <laughs> is produce that same level of amazing American accent. Like watching him in, in anything else is like. That's an Irishman with an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there. Hit us up on Twitter if you've got a movie that you think is verging on greatness that you think we should we should talk about, pick apart, and talk stupid shit about. <laughs> talk some shit about. Hit us up at verging on greatness. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm I've been Craig and I've been Mike, and we'll be seeing you next time. So long.